Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. The first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the overwhelming, incredible, and torturous sufferings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered for you and I in a way that is truly incomprehensible and that we will never fully understand. He did this that we might know him as our Lord and Savior, that our sins might be forgiven, and that we might spend eternity in heaven enjoying a relationship with him now and forevermore. Let's open our Bible now to 1 Peter 1 and look at this incredible love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today is uh, it's a Monday afternoon here in Texas. Hopefully everyone is, is doing well and growing in your relationship with Jesus, growing to love him, growing to know his love. Today we are going to continue in the book of 1 Peter. Um, the last, what has it been, three or four teachings we've gotten through verse 9. So today, Lord willing, we're going to do verses 10, 11, and 12. Um, just three verses in 1 Peter 1, again, verses 10, 11, and 12. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it and pray, and then we'll get rolling. Uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do love you and bless you and thank you and praise you. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for the scriptures, Father. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you that we have this amazing Bible, Father. Father, we just love you and bless you. Above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we just worship you and thank you and praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures, the living word of God. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, you know, um, you know, we're just, we're, today, just these three verses are just going to discuss, you know, the, the immensity of our salvation and really what it means that the amazing grace of God has saved us. Um, you remember in, in the Old Testament, you know, um, God's grace was prophesied. It was prophesied that that the Savior would come, that the Messiah would come. Um, it was prophesied as much as four thousand years before it happened um, that that the Savior would come. You remember in the book of Genesis, chapter three, where um, you know, right after Adam and Eve fell into sin and disobeyed God and ate of the fruit they were forbidden to eat. Um, right away, there's a prophecy of Jesus there that says, 
you know, God speaking to the serpent, the devil says, you know, I will put enmity between you and the woman and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. And all the way back 4,000 years before Christ, we have that first prophecy that the Messiah, the Savior, would come. Immediately after humanity, Adam and Eve fell into sin, um, God prophesied that the Savior would come, that Jesus would come, that the Messiah would come. And the prophecy says that Jesus will crush the head of the serpent, which Jesus completely defeated Satan at the cross. And that Satan would bruise his heel, you know, where, where Jesus was bruised at the cross. Jesus was hurt at the cross, but ultimately he completely defeated Satan, completely defeated, defeated sin and completely defeated hell. So that, you know, all who come to Jesus, all who put their faith in Jesus Christ and trust in Jesus fully and completely for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul will be forgiven come into relationship with God as their father and ultimately go to heaven when they die. So um, we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about the sufferings of Christ. And it's just something um, where Peter is, 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 is going to talk about the sufferings of Christ. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about that the last few days. I was talking to a brother of mine, Tom, today about how, you know, if I think we can make the sufferings of Christ God forbid, this is crazy, but they can almost become commonplace to us, right? The the torture that Jesus went through in our place and on our behalf is not something that, you know, that should become commonplace to us. And so it's something that the more we remind ourselves of, uh, the greater sense of thankfulness we will genuinely have. Um, and again, we're going to talk about... Um, you know, we're going to talk about how even angels have a tremendous desire and interest to understand these things, you know, to understand how the triune God works in the lives of human beings in their redemption, in their redemption in saving them um, and how God just works in our lives in general. Angels just have a tremendous longing and a deep desire to understand God's work with humanity. So. Three verses. We're going to start in verse 10. Verse 10, concerning this salvation. Now that works off verse 9. You remember verse 9 said, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, concerning this salvation. So again, it's talking about your salvation, which means that your, your salvation is when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And that happens only through trusting Jesus Christ. Only when you call on the name of Jesus and call out to him and ask him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 13, I say it over and over, says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, you know, if that's not something you've done, stop and do it now. Call and ask Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin, proclaiming your full and complete trust and reliance on him alone. And you will be a part of this incredible salvation that Peter's talking about. Concerning this salvation, verse 10, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. 
So again, you remember the Old Testament prophets, and you can think of Isaiah, you can think of Jeremiah, you can think of Ezekiel, um, you can think of the Old Testament prophets who prophesied that the Savior would come. And it says that they spoke of the grace that was to come to you and I. Um, we say this over and over. Um, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There was nothing we could ever do, whether Old Testament or New Testament, we were always saved from our sin based on what Jesus Christ has done. In the Old Testament, they were promised that a savior would come. When you read the Old Testament, as I said, beginning right in Genesis 3, the Bible prophesies that a, a savior would come. And so in the Old Testament, based on what the word of God said, you were looking forward to the coming savior. You looked forward to the cross, so to speak. In the New Testament, you and I, we look back to the cross. We put our trust and reliance in the Savior and the Messiah, Jesus, who has come. In the Old Testament, they put their faith and trust and reliance in the Savior, Jesus, who would come. So it's that same cross that saves us all, right? Um, it's in that same cross that we're saved from our sin. Never did good works save us, okay? And because good deeds, as good as they are, do not take away our sin. We need a savior to save us from our sin. And Jesus as that perfect sacrifice is what we need. It's our only hope. Um, but it says the, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. So the, the prophets wanted to understand and really desired. It said they searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing. Um, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glory that would and the glories that would follow. So um, the first thing to understand is that the gospel was not new. This salvation message that Jesus would come and live a perfect life, Scott, and die a perfect death and be raised from the dead, this was not a new message. Okay. This wasn't new. In when the New Testament came about. Like I said, this, this was 4,000 years old. 4,000 years before Christ came on the scene. 4,000 years before Jesus came into the world, the Old Testament prophesied. And there are, there are scholars say there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Christ would come. 300 times the Bible said God gave his word saying in the Bible that Jesus would come, be born of a virgin, live a perfect life, die a perfect death, be raised from the dead. Over 300 times in the Old Testament, that was predicted by the prophets before it ever happened. Um, and so it's not a new thing. And that's something Peter is wanting us to really understand here. Right, Hugh? He wants us to really understand that, you know, this is not a new thing in the New Testament. Uh, the gospel that Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, would live a perfect life in our place, die a perfect death in our place, be alive and risen, 
and that by faith and trust in him, we would be saved from our sin and have relationship with the Holy Trinity. That that was all throughout the Old Testament before the New Testament even came. Okay, so when you think of that and when Peter wrote that to these Christians, it's it's a real encouragement to us. Okay, do you see that? It's a um, you know, it's it's exciting that that the people who who had their Bible, they didn't have the New Testament, but they had the Old Testament. They looked in there and they could see that that a savior was being promised. The Messiah was being promised. Um, You remember uh, that the woman at the well, right, in John 4, when she says uh, she knows, she said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he'll teach us all things. Um, You see that she properly understood what her Bible said. Now, she was speaking to Jesus and Jesus actually says to her, I who speak to you am he. Um, But this woman was waiting on the promised Messiah that her Bible said was coming. Um, and so uh, that's the first and, and really the most pivotal point that Peter wants us to understand is that the entire Bible said that the Savior was coming and that in the New Testament, this is fully revealed to us, right? Um, in the person of Jesus Christ. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. Now, again, Peter says the grace that was to come to you. Grace regarding our salvation is God's unmerited favor to us when he gives us blessings that we do not deserve. Again, we're not saved by anything that we've done. We're saved completely by the grace of God, by his absolute grace and love and mercy and blessing that we did not earn in any way. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Um, and the Old Testament prophets spoke about the grace that was come to, that was to come to us, uh, from the Messiah, Jesus. Um, and it says that they searched intently and with the greatest care. And so you get this picture of say Isaiah, you know, writing down his book, right? Isaiah writing down his scroll of all that all that the Holy Spirit of God, that the Spirit of Jesus is, is telling him, right? And so now, now, now just imagine Isaiah finishing a chapter and just with the greatest care, really searching intently into what he just wrote. Isaiah just wrote the Word of God. He was led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, it says here. Um, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of our heavenly father, the spirit of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. It's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He is an independent being, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all God. They are literal independent beings that are all God. Now, they're also all one, right? In the fact that they are God in their relation to one another. But we do have a triune God, God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit is leading Isaiah to write down his book, imagine after he's finished a chapter or two or three or four or five, or now you're rolling up into the chat in the 50s, right? 
And imagine Isaiah going back and just just reading that book and studying that book that he wrote, as well as the five books of the Old Testament, the Torah that he already had. Right. And it says that they they searched intently and with the greatest care. Right. Um, and, and, and the reason that's just so important is because, as I've said earlier, sometimes we can get cavalier and how we search into the mysteries of the scripture, right? Um, do you search intently into your Bible? Do you give the greatest care into really knowing Jesus? Do you have this in intentionality in how you search out Jesus and how you run after Jesus? Do you have what, what Peter calls this greatest care in wanting to understand the things of God and really wanting to obey Jesus so that you might know him better? Do you really have the greatest care that you might love him more as well as know his love for you? Mm. Father, we do thank you and we love you and we bless you and we ask you to help us, Holy Spirit, to, to really have a, a greater intentionality in how we search after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we would have this greatest care in how we pursue you, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, remember the prophets prophesied that in the future all this would happen. They searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It's very exciting. It should be extremely exciting for us that the Old Testament prophets were trying to find out they, they didn't fully know the time and the circumstances of how the whole thing would work. It was revealed to the Old Testament prophets, the men of God in the Old Testament, and they wrote the word of God to proclaim the coming of the Son of God. Um, but they didn't know the time and the circumstances of how it would all play out or how it, how it would all happen. But now look at this. You do know that. You actually know that, Esther. You know the time and the circumstances, Jason, of how it all played out. When you open your Bible and I open my Bible, we have the whole New Testament, and it tells us exactly the time and the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It tells us the circumstances of his birth. It tells us where he was born. It tells us where he was raised. Um, it tells us in in incredible detail, the time and the circumstances of our Lord and Savior and Master and King and God, Jesus Christ. The Old Testament prophets didn't have this. They would have given like anything to have these four Gospels. They would have been like, it would have been crazy. They would have been so happy to have these four Gospels. Like, just imagine them having the Gospel of John and just... And just Jeremiah being able to have that gospel of John and being able to read it. And Isaiah being able to read the, the gospel of Luke. And Ezekiel picking up Matthew and Mark. They, 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 they had such an immense desire 
to know these things. And I'll say again, the reason that's important is we ought to have a never-ending yearning to really know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we, we know him better as we study the word of God. As you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in all the books of the Bible, but as you study the New Testament, it all unfolds. Jesus Christ completely unfolds in the four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. It's incredible. It's incredible, May, right? That we have these four books. These Old Testament prophets would have done anything to be able to have them. And, 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 and like I said, we, we really want to repent because they can become commonplace to us, right? We have a completed Bible, which is a gift that we will never fully understand. I've said this before. Heaven and earth are going to be completely remodeled. Remember, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Heaven and earth as we know them will be completely remodeled, but your Bible will always be the same. It will never change. And we have this completed Bible, y'all. Um, and I'll say again, there, are, there were men and women of God who walked intimately with God who would have done anything to be able to have the Bible that we have. And so um, we really do, you know, want to, to, to get a, a, a just a, a fresh and sober understanding of really what we have in the scriptures, in our Bible. And we really do want to uh, begin to search intently and with the greatest care into all that's revealed to us into our Bible. And particularly in those four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where they tell you explicitly, not only the time, but all the circumstances that Jesus said and did and all the places he went and the people he talked to. And you can just, you get this incredible picture of how he lived his life. And I mean, when you, when you do this, you find that Jesus is just like the coolest guy ever. You see, you see the, the most incredible character, the most incredible love. You see a selfless, a selflessness like never known before. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let's get in them gospels. Let's bury ourselves in those gospels, right, Rick? I, uh, one of my first spiritual fathers, uh, uh, brother Rick, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he gave himself to the gospels in a way that he had put thousands of hours into the gospels of Jesus Christ. Um, there's literally nothing better you can do in your life than to put thousands of hours, not only in the Gospels, but in your whole Bible. There's no better use of your time and my time. And let's start doing that a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more this day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances that you and I know in our Bible, in our Gospels, to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, was who was directing all the writing of the Old Testament. It says it here very clearly. Okay, so all the books of the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament, 
were written down by men, right? But they were inspired. Those men were inspired and led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was the one that guided them and led them as to what to write. So the words that they wrote were actually not their own, but the living word of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we see, they say the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted. So you see that the spirit of Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, reveals to the the prophets the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow the glories of his resurrection and all that would come with that, that we too will be resurrected and have life with Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Um, There's none more exciting than this. Which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So the Holy Spirit, the very spirit of Jesus, was revealing to the Old Testament men of God that he would come, that Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, revealed to them that the man Jesus, the Savior Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, the Spirit of God the Son, the Holy Spirit Jesus, revealed to the Old Testament prophets that he would come in the future. But he didn't give them the exact time and circumstances, but he did reveal to them that the Christ would suffer, as Isaiah points out clearly, right? When you read your Bible and open your Bible, you'll see in the, in the books of Isaiah, um, throughout the chapters in the 50s, this incredible picture of the suffering that the Messiah would go through, um, which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So, We want to talk about this term when he predicted the sufferings of Christ. Um, If you read the end of all of your Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, you um, you you will see that Jesus was absolutely and mercilessly tortured, tortured in his death. It was an absolute, agonizing, overwhelming torture that Jesus Christ suffered. What we need to understand is he did this utterly and completely of his own will. Jesus says in John 18, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I pick it up of my own accord. That's God the Son, full-blown God. When he was a man, Walking the earth, he said, no one takes my life from me. No, no, no. I lay it down of my own accord and pick it up of my own accord. So the torture that Jesus went through, he chose to go through it of his own will and decision. On your behalf and on my behalf. Now, it was also the will of the Father, right? They had agreed. They've always agreed, right? Um. And there was this time, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prays to the Father. Jesus, the man, prays to his heavenly Father, Father, take this cup from me. Jesus prays that he doesn't want to go through with it. And we're going to talk about why he doesn't want to go through with it. 
But then Jesus ends the prayer, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Okay. That is one of, if not the greatest examples set for all Christians in all history for all time. As Christians, our job is to be men and women of God that are consistently living our lives with a dedication and a heart and an attitude that say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. And the truth is, as I've confessed, I still have such a long way to go because there's so much of my life where regrettably, I still live my life with an attitude of not thy will, Jesus, but mine be done. And Father, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us where we do not have a thy will be done heart and attitude, but a my will be done heart and attitude. And and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're patient with us. And I just ask you to help us to have this, this attitude of Christ in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But the torturous sufferings of Christ, he chose to go through for you and for me. Jesus chose to become a human man. Now imagine when you or I leave this life and we go to heaven. We're going to leave earth and enter into a joy unspeakable. Jesus, of his own will and decision, Kristen, left heaven and became a man on earth. That's to leave joy unspeakable and to, and to enter a sinful, a sin-filled, demon-possessed world. Right? It's crazy. But he did that out of his incredible love for us. Just becoming a man for Jesus was suffering and torture that we cannot imagine. Then to have to be God, to be perfect, to be sinless, and to live 33 and a half years in and around humanity, sinful humanity. You remember in the Gospel of John, at the end of the uh, chapter one, I believe it is, where it says that Jesus would not entrust himself to any man because he knew what was in humanity. He knew what was in men and women. He knew that they were, they were sinful to the core. So he, he had to live his life and he could never fully trust anyone. What is that like? Again, it's torture. He left an incredible relationship that we will never fully understand. The unity of the Holy Trinity. The incredible relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That, that relationship, that three-strand cord, okay, was so intimate, so incredible, so overwhelming. There's no words for it. But God the Son, when he willingly took on human flesh and left heaven, left a portion of that relationship. And that not only hurt Jesus, can you imagine the grief of the Father and of the Holy Spirit that the Son is not there in the same fullness, but it gets worse, okay? The greatest sufferings and torture of Jesus becoming a human man was not the physical tortures, although those were unthinkable. The greatest torture, y'all, of Jesus becoming a human man and becoming sin for you and I was that at the cross of Christ, you remember when Jesus says before he dies, while he's hanging on the cross, crucified, nails, spikes going through his hands for you and me, spikes going through his, his feet, a crown of thorns pressed on his 
through his head, his body whipped to an inch of his life, bleeding everywhere. And yet, at that moment, he looks and he doesn't call God his father as he did throughout all the gospels. He actually looks up and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus became sin for you and for me, when he suffered and became sin for you and me, at that moment, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son, their relationship was utterly fractured. It was rocked in a way that we can never, will we never understand what it was like for the utter fracture when the Son of God, God the Son, became sin for you and I, and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit could not look on him, could not be in relationship with him in any way because he had taken on the sin of the world, the whole world. And for the first time in all eternity, which means no time, they always were, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, had always, with no beginning and no end of time, been in the most intimate, beautiful, harmonious, peaceful, fulfilling relationship. And for the first time in all eternity, that relationship is violently fractured. And that is by and far the greatest suffering that Christ endured. The suffering that the Holy Spirit had to endure and the suffering that God the Father had to endure is unspeakable and unimaginable in a way that we have never known suffering. Human suffering will never be able to understand what it would be like for God to become sin and have the intimacy of the relationship of the Holy Trinity utterly and totally fractured when Jesus became sin. It is a love that the Trinity sacrificed for you and for me. When people don't understand why Jesus Christ is the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and the only way to go to heaven when you die, it's because they don't understand the price that Jesus had to pay and the Father and the Holy Spirit had to pay in the way of a broken relationship. You just don't understand the price that was paid for the forgiveness of your sin. God has given his word that without Jesus Christ, if you do not have Jesus Christ living in your heart, no one will see heaven. And the only other place is to spend eternity in hell paying your sin debt yourself. And the interest is so great. Our sin is so bad that it bears so much interest, you'll never pay it off. And you'll be eternally in hell. But if you call on Jesus today, if you hear this, if you understand the suffering that he went through on your behalf, and certainly on my behalf, me the most, then this day, give your life to Jesus. Call on him. Ask him to come into your heart. Be the Lord of your life. Save you from your sin. Proclaim your full and total trust, reliance, devotion completely in Jesus. 
knowing you have no other hope and your sins will be forgiven. That's why he did it. That's why he became sin. That's why he went through these incredible, overwhelming sufferings was so that all who would call on him, that all who would believe in him and trust in him as their only Lord and Savior would have their sins forgiven. If you'll do that today, all of your sin, past, present, and future will be credited to Christ at the cross. The perfect righteous life that Jesus lived will be credited to you. That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. You'll become a child of God. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. Jesus will become your Lord and Savior and Master and King. And the Holy Spirit will become your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Hell couldn't hold him. Sin couldn't hold him. Our God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, conquered sin, conquered death, conquered hell, and was raised from the dead on the third day. And the glorious ramifications of our risen Savior that we now love and know and adore and worship, and we pray to Jesus and we love him and we honor him and we worship him and we spend our lives getting to know him. It's glorious. And the glories move on because you and I, because we know Christ, will spend eternity in heaven. We too will be resurrected into eternal life in heaven and we'll have immortal bodies and we'll spend eternity in heaven with our Savior who loved us and suffered for us as he did. Thank you just doesn't quite cover it, Jesus. Lord, I, Lord, we, we need to know beyond words. We want to worship you and love you and thank you. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. The prophets understood that they were serving not only themselves and the people of their day, but they were serving us. And that, that really ought to be our attitude. And Father, I ask you to forgive us where we are self-serving. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Father, as your children to have a heart. Reveal to us, Lord, and drive us to serve not only ourselves, but others. To share Jesus with others. To build others up with Jesus. To give and to bless people in the name of Jesus in every way. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally. Give your time, your talents, and your money to the cause of Jesus Christ, that people might know him and love him. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. The prophets were serving you and I, and it's our job to serve others in Christ, for Christ, through Christ, and to Christ. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, and they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You've heard the gospel. You've heard it on this teaching several times. The gospel is the good news that we have a savior for our sin. The bad news is that human beings, as human beings, we are all sinful. Every one of us, God has given his word that every human being is sinful, whether we know it or not, whether we feel like it or not. But the good news is we have a savior that suffered for us and has risen again. And if you'll trust in him today, God the Father will become your Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. 
that was preached to the people in Peter's day and it's still being preached today. The good news that a savior has come to save us from our sin and bring us into relationship with the triune God. And it says at the end of verse 12, even angels long to look into these things. This, this incredible aspect of redemption, the overwhelming love of the God that created them, becoming a man and suffering for a humanity that he created so that he might have relationship with them in all eternity. Beginning with this life, you have relationship with Jesus right now and carrying all the way into heaven for all eternity, forever and ever. Angels have an incredible desire, a longing. Even angels long. They, they, they want to understand the depth and the love of Christ. And we ought to long to better understand these things like the angels. They long to understand the work of Christ in humanity, not just for salvation, but for every aspect of our life in relationship. Angels look into these things. Angels can see you and I. Angels know what's in our hearts. They can see. They're not omniscient beings, but they long to see the work of Jesus Christ who lives in us as believers in our hearts. And they really want to know and understand these things and, and just know the heart of the triune God in them. Wow. Well, Jesus, we do love you. We bless you. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word of God, Lord Jesus. We thank you for loving us, Jesus. We thank you for suffering for us. We thank you for becoming sin for us. We thank you that you willingly took on sin, knowing that your relationship with your Father and with the Holy Spirit would be massively fractured. But you did it anyway. You did it out of your incredible love for us, Lord, and help us to remember that love that we might not only know your love, but might love you in a fitting way. Lord Jesus, help us and lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, that we might search intently and with the greatest care into the word of God and into the gospels and into all the books of the Bible, Lord, that we might walk with you, Father, more intentionally, that we might love you better, that we might be that just we might be better servants and slaves of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now. We worship you and we thank you and we praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.